0: Wow.
1: To episode 11 of the Rodeo Adventure Labs podcast. Uh, Let's cut to the chase. I imagine listeners of this podcast like bikes. Uh, And if they've been clued into what's happening during the whole COVID pandemic, the bicycle industry is scrambling. And while I've seen some news articles crop up, and personally, I have an insider take at the Rodeo HQ, uh, Stephen wanted to assemble a roundtable of folks And really get into what is it like for the small brands and what is it like from the small bike shop perspective uh so without further ado we've we've got a cast of characters to introduce today and and welcome to the podcast
2: yeah uh the round table is actually just a therapy session for me (laughs) (laughs) that's what this is all designed to do all right (laughs) so So, that's
3: what i'm here for too Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we've got adam williams owner of slow high bikes here in denver colorado uh, who's focused on building a community and neighborhood around a bicycle shop. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. I'm uh, so glad
3: we got you. <laughs> we <laughs> You're had, hard to get. We <laughs> had to <laughs> pry you away. Yeah, pry me away from the e-bike customers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we also have uh, Jurgen Trepp, who runs Parallel Handbuilt from the Netherlands, a tinkerer of wheel building and tearing them down and building them back up. Welcome.
2: And also a Rad Bike Rider, uh, who I met in Morocco, and we just kept talking. And, I mean, that's the yeah. short story.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to add a voice yeah. in
1: the discussion. We, we've got Sheldon Thompson, builder of Stoke at Rodeo Labs. He has a careful hand that makes sure that every bike leaves HQ is dialed.
2: Yep.
0: Oh. Hi, everyone. There
2: he is. He's <laughs> right there. Someday we'll video <laughs> these things. This would be the worst video ever with a bunch of face mask people, <laughs> just or, whatever. Yeah. And a pulsing J.
1: <laughs> um, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. <laughs> cool. uh all right. So yeah, we've got Stephen Fitzgerald, my co-host and owner of Rodeo Labs, who's ready for his therapy session. Yeah, uh and it's just me, Nick. I'm the listener's humble guide on this journey. I'll offer commentary and outside perspective from non-bike industry.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping you, Nick, can sort of. I don't know who knows what's going on in the world of bikes outside of the world of bikes. I think some people are going to wake up uh, in this spring and walk into a bike shop or talk to their friendly builder and be like, can I get up? Can I walk out with a bike? And they may have a, a shock when they do that. Uh, so, like, it's important to consider people who have no idea what's going on. So take that perspective a little bit. And then there are plenty of people here who. I guess do know what's going on and we can share. Yeah. Not everybody sees
3: it every day. Like we do.
2: Yeah. They yeah. just
3: decided yesterday they may want a to bike today.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when they come in and they ask for a widget and then you bite their head off and they're like, I just wanted a widget. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Yeah.
1: So I guess let's just lay it out. Uh, I mean, why are we here to talk today? Like what's the state of the bike industry from each and everyone's perspective here? Um, what's going on
2: you're what
4: on fire (laughs) on
2: fire let's start across the ocean Jorgen all right you've got a bike shop in Amsterdam that builds um I'm so dumb sorry we are going to be the worst Americans and I apologize (laughs) (laughs) I mean I I am I do feel terrible I'm going to try um and you I think have a pretty bespoke clientele and you build bikes largely one by one. You also build wheels, uh, you build relationships. It's not like a mass bike shop. Um, so what's it been looking like for you? What did 2020 look like? And then what does it look like now? I thought 2020 was going to be the end of the world and I thought we were all going to be out of jobs. Well, that didn't happen. Um, and, and so like what did it look like for you? What'd you think? And then kind of like, I don't know, bring us up to speed a little.
4: Yeah. I mean, obviously just lots of new experiences um 2020 was weird year in europe um our summer we kind of got we got to go play again and so it kind of we kind of went to that normal phase in the summertime where people are taking vacations and they're not focusing as much on buying new bikes upgrading bikes and even repairing bikes um so we can we can get a little bit of a slowdown in the summer so at least here, um, as far as parts and, and, you know, having to track down parts and frames or whatever, uh, that looked like it was going to get better. Um, it looked like it was kind of a, a temporary thing. You know, obviously we're now six months further on and we see that it's going to become a bit, um, I don't know, maybe even systemic or, you know, last a little while. Um, yeah, for me, 2020 was was also a bit weird, just because of having a concussion in the spring, and so for a large portion of the, the sort of, uh, you know, um, delivery problems and and all sorts of things collapsing around around the shop, um, I wasn't entirely uh, aware <laughs> of all of that, but on a day to day basis, especially now uh with a small shop and like you said like essentially building bikes one at a time where i don't necessarily know what i'm going to need for the third or fourth bike in the row because that third or fourth bike isn't doesn't exist yet um which obviously excludes me from doing any sort of massive pre-orders um it's it's fighting for table scraps at times and getting very creative and um Searching out smaller, uh, smaller companies doing their own production and that sort of stuff to be able to promise any sort of relatively normal delivery time.
2: Sounds r- familiar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Adam, yeah. I mean, we're kind of yeah.
4: kind of all in the same boat. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are definitely some things happening happening in here in Europe that. I would say different you know we we got smacked in the face with with brexit uh which I, I would yeah just just a few weeks ago um and uh that that was one you know another lifeline down because i i work with hope uh uh they're one of my favorite companies to work with you know and they have their own production in the house they're very reliable generally when they give you a delivery date or week they're you know they tell you week 43 and on thursday they're making the thing friday it's in a box and monday it's in the shop um not anymore and and that's not their fault and that's uh that's frustrating
0: yeah we also work with hope quite a bit and i think the last update i got from our rep he said anywhere from 10 to 14 weeks for a set of rx4 breaks um i mean you're obviously a lot closer than we are what's what's it looking like for you
2: for
4: me. Yes. Um yeah, it it's uh it's not ten to fourteen weeks.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, thankfully. And um, therein starts the illegal gray market. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what can you get me? So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I mean
4: we're we're super close. Um uh whenever we ride around the coast, I'm always the stupid American making the jokes like, hey, you can see England, which which you can't, but it's very close. Um the the delivery times for the things I've been ordering the last little while have been pretty quick. Um, you know, even days sometimes or weeks, it's just that, um, right now at least, and and there's rumors rolling around of hope Europe and stuff. And you know, they're, they're scrambling to make something work. Um, it's mostly just the the customs. So yeah, okay. It takes two or three weeks. You know, I can live with that. The customer can live with that. Um, but the price essentially, the price essentially just jumped, you know, upwards of 20%. Um, that, that makes a, that sort of golden ratio of affordable, pretty and durable hubs. Uh, one of those, uh, characteristics has just, has just fallen away.
3: Yeah. We're seeing that across the board, even with just shipping costs and, or just everybody raising their prices. Uh, and that's just
2: across the board. Yeah. I think that's the one well there are so many little thunderclouds, but the everybody's prices are also gonna go up. Uh oh, so what 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 did your twenty twenty look like? I remember at one point you and I talked to Adam. We were still in the basement last year, which is hard to believe that's even this lifetime. Uh, <laughs> yes. and I just everyone was at home. It was it was quarantine, you know, late March, early April. Uh and you were still there, I was still going in alone um and you were like you were like do you have disaster insurance i'm checking <laughs> to see if my disaster insurance covers this yeah. uh and you're like we're already looking into you know all these government loans and da, 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 and it's it's you know it's like it's over this is a deer in the headlights thing oh yeah uh and i was and i thought the same thing i was like it's over um and then it wasn't over um
3: I mean I, the roller coaster ride of the beginning was was real. I remember coming to you and being like have you signed up for these loans? Have you done this? What are you doing to make sure that we still stay afloat? Right. And then literally like one day I really I legitimately laid off everybody one day. And no joke by the end of that week we were drinking from a fire hose <laughs> of everybody trying to get bikes. And it was like the, the probably the worst roller coaster i've ever been on but you know it it literally had this turn that was unbelievable yeah um of going from hey this is the end to i can't even look past my toes anymore of being so busy yeah and that was just the whole i mean it never stopped right for you no never stopped i mean it hasn't stopped um and it's that's really cool like we have been I would see the most fortunate in this whole situation having that. Um, but it has been
2: nonstop for a very long time now. I tell people they're like, everything must be great. And I'm like, well, on paper, you can be happy that, you know, you sold a lot of stuff, but that's the most stressful year I've ever had. Um, and that was success stress, not failure stress. It was like, everybody wants what you have, that's exciting, but we can't get it to them. Um, and we started to see things onions, yeah we know. started to see things breaking on our end by like June. Yeah. Um, we started seeing like frames not showing up, things being late uh, and it the demand was still going up and already there were cracks uh, and then I think that's when we first started saying like, is there any way we can get ahead of this in which I think interesting for all of us, because, uh, you're um, over, you know, you're, you're kind of on demand. Uh, you, you do what we do. I mean, in some ways we're like a bike shop that just happens to have its frames, you know, designed in, you know, we make our own bike frame, but we, we operated right. like a bike shop in that. Yeah. You want a bike from us? Okay. You want Shimano? Okay. I'll take your order, take your deposit, then run over to Shimano and grab some parts and put them in a basket. They'll all show up in a box and then we'll build your bike. Um, simplified. But that was like, that was a business model for rodeo from 2014, more or less until last year. It was just, we'll buy it when you need it. No overhead, no risk. It works. And then all of a sudden it starts hitting and it's like, I think our business plan is utterly obsolete instantly. Um, but I mean, like, what do you do, Adam, well, you, I mean, your, your service and sales and your yeah. big brands and probably tiny on-demand brands? We do both. And our problem with, we were like you is we had the whole lean and mean
3: philosophy of running our business where why store anything when the company store it for you. Yeah. So we were running that way, you know, for the past five years and then to kind of, go into where all of a sudden you're selling everything and then not being able to replenish, you really had to change your whole business model into a forecast that you've never done. And that was, it it still is very hard to manage. It's a day-to-day thing where we're constantly looking at what's coming, you know, or isn't coming for that matter. Right. Um, And deciding who we're going to say yes to and who we're going to say no to as far as customers go. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been, just like you, very much of a change of every business model we've done and and come accustomed to now we're putting in ginormous back orders and a being worried that they're going to come and worried that they may never come. <laughs> oh man yeah a
2: lose loser a win-win. Yes, yes
4: yeah, I recently had to think back just to like seven or eight years ago to when Q, maybe it was longer ago I don't know to when QBP. Moved one of their warehouses out there, the QBP West to Utah. Uh, I was living in Utah and working at shops in Utah, and and it was just a sort of revolution of next day delivery. Um, and you saw it in other shops and in our shop of the inventory uh, decreased. Uh, you know, instead of having a hundred tubes in stock, you had you know a couple or twenty. Um, and if a customer wanted something, uh, or if he needed something, it, you know, you'd order it and be in the next day. So no problem. Uh, and here in the Netherlands, it's, it's, uh, it's that times a million. Um, most of my distributor distributors are with an hour, maybe two hours of driving. Um, and the whole logistic net- network is very strong. And, uh, so it's kind of this double, double edged sword where, you have these lean and mean operations that can then also be very mobile. You know, they're not, not looking at big uh, big back stocks where they're having to move product that's now obsolete or, you know, has changed or something um, and can, can kind of um, open the doors for these sort of third wave type bike shop operations. Um, like we're seeing a lot here, this sort of like bike, coffee, custom sort of lightweight uh, bike shops. And then something like this happens, and it's good very well for a while, or permanently make the sort of businesses like that that don't want to maintain an inventory or can't maintain an inventory. Um, yeah, it's going to make them hurt, or maybe even obsolete
2: or gone. Yeah, just gone. Yeah, I think about that. The more I play it through, and nobody knows. You know, he has a crystal ball, but I can easily come up with a scenario that anyone who hasn't previously been preparing and is not currently preparing simply won't have anything to sell and will cease to exist later this year. And maybe they just go dormant and they, you know, but if they have rent or a storefront, that's a whole other thing. So can you just push pause if there's nothing to sell or do you just give up and get, you know, a tech support job, which is, you know, or just change careers or just like, I tried it in bikes. I love that. I love that damn industry, but it bit me, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. I think you make a really good point because, you know, coming from shop background myself and like, you know, you start off the year with pre-orders and you know, that's kind of your stock for the year ordering from your brands. And now there's brands that are saying 2022 for shops to get bikes. And if you're a small shop and you didn't go in on a pre-order, you're, you're not going to have any bikes to sell at all. Like yeah. that's just really crazy to think about. Cause I worked at a shop In Kansas City exact same way like we carried very low inventory if you wanted a bike we would order it and you know it'd be there next week and you know that's just the way it was Um, and I know that's probably the way a lot of bike shops run
2: yeah because who who has either massive lines of credit the stomach for debt or a huge amount of cash just tie up I was talking to a buddy in Philly he has a bike shop he said he was getting getting on with a new brand and they took his order, said, we have no ETA, but you have yeah. to pay for your order now. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to name the brand. And I checked him on. I was like, wait, you're telling me they have your money, and but they won't? And he said, yeah. I had to give him the money to place the order. Wow. Um, and who can do that? I
4: have never heard of that. I, yeah. Yeah. I think I'd mentioned that to you, that there's a a brand here in Europe that that did that uh, with their pre-orders and then has doubled back and raised the the pre-order price uh, to cover their costs. And, you know, rightfully so. But then retroactively, so you've paid for your pre-order a few months ago. They've come back and said, hey, you actually have to give us more money.
2: Right. And they haven't delivered anything. No, and
4: the bikes are still not here.
2: Right. But more money. yeah (laughs) Yeah. and we're not we're not like this cash flow rich industry there's so many people who are in it because they love it and they found a way to make it and certainly there are people who win big on the huge end of the industry that have money but down at the entry level or all the way up to whatever size there's a lot of people who are just kind of making it and doing it because they love it and it doesn't really take much to kick in the teeth yeah i
3: think there's going to be a lot of shops that are expected to maintain inventory levels that they are not used to, and then hopefully they're sitting on cash after a good 2020 yeah. however, if they don't have good forecasting and/ or the ability to know when to turn the faucet off, if supply or demand I say goes down, then if they're going to be sitting on a lot of inventory that they now have paid for, uh, the circle doesn't complete itself no
2: and it can't there's nothing fundamental about human civilizations that's changed. We aren't all of a sudden more prone to go out and ride bikes. It's just a set of circumstances that exist right now that's bumped it up. And we all hope that some of that sticks or a lot of it sticks with the people who've jumped in. But is this level sustainable? It's like the housing bubble to me. Yeah, I agree. I think that come fall, we'll have
3: at least a slightly better idea of what that might look like, whether you know, when you have a downturn typically from seasonality it'll it'll be more apparent i think of whether what at what level it'll sustain itself yeah
1: i think i think that's pretty interesting and kind of trying to recap maybe for um just in like layman's terms of just like what is going on is that there was a blip you know everyone felt it you know factories in asia they were producing parts they stopped Uh, and then at some point they're resumed but maybe not at the same staffing level and they're trying to get the parts out there they're trying to fulfill all these orders and maybe they're increasing production but as like what you guys just said at what point does that like the over increase in production like will it will the demand fall off at some point and then you know a shop is left holding all these parts and they have to adapt to the business model changing yet again Um, maybe back to that leaner model
2: correct yeah I've had pressure to like we we've never ordered more frames for a single year. Uh, we we did a big bump over last year, um, and it isn't like like Wolf of Wall Street. Like ah, bikes, great. It's just like let's just make a bet on ourselves that it, we sold every everything we made last year, and it was mostly cleaned out by September October. So let's just make sure we have enough bikes for people that want them. Is the goal, and then if we have some extra, we don't have model years. We can roll it into the next year anyway. Um, and then we got pressure to like, this is a big order. You need more tooling. We don't want to make this one by one. We want to make five by five. You need, it. and I'm like, no, like this isn't going to go forever. I'm not going to spend fifty, hundred thousand dollars on tooling just so you guys can like, you know. So I'm holding back too. <laughs> like I don't want to do that. Neither does X component manufacturer. How many derailleur widgets do you really want to own if this all slows yeah. down? Yeah. I'm I'm
4: seeing uh, or seeing hearing uh, a number of brands in in that same in that same thought process actually looking or taking this time and also just the bump in profits if they if they're so lucky to have that to um, you know have that discussion with their factory and say you know what maybe this is the end of the road because we're going to bring our production in house we're going to bring our production into the same country. Um, There's kind of people sort of future-proofing for possibly the next time that this happens.
3: I hope there's enough of that. I think there's a lot in the bike industry who will see the excitement and they want to capitalize on it because a lot of us, I think, industry-wide have had to say no more than we've had to say yes in, in selling things. And you don't want to do that. You want to say yes to everybody and A, sell it, a capture the money, all the stuff that goes along with that. And so are people going to get overly excited and overproduce, um, that's going that? to happen. Oh, I think, I think that's the bike industry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, which I would love to see a retraining of that thought, just like you were saying, like bring things in house, that turn things into a more sustainable level and, and for the future, I, I
2: unfortunately don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, I mean, we were in less than 1,000 square feet 12 months ago, uh, and we had gutted it out a long time. And then we exploded into many orders of magnitude bigger than that now. And then as soon as we moved in, we were full. So then we took over and annexed another place next door, and it's still there, essentially sitting empty, because we don't have time. We want to bring in the ability to do some in-house Cerakote, uh, some custom, some anodizing, just some of the finishing parts of the bike. And we have the budget allocated. We have the space rented and has been since October. Um, We just can't stop what we're doing long enough to go build it out. Um, It's just sitting there empty and I'm paying the rent bill on it. Like, well, I needed to grab it when it was theirs. But it's surreal to be like, no, I've got customers... You know, and they'll be like, Hey, I ordered I, I emailed you yesterday and I really want to buy a bike right now. I really want to give you my money. Why haven't you responded? And so I can respond to that guy, or I can res- or I can be like, No more, no more bike sales. I'm so tired. I'm just gonna go build a paint booth. Um <laughs> and that's a tough choice to make. When do you stop and invest in yourself? And and uh yeah, bringing it home. You can see the writing on the wall, supply chains are fragile. Uh, and geopolitical stuff. You look between China and Taiwan, there's a lot of tension, and it wouldn't really take almost any, a a single blip could knock off 90% of the bike industry. Uh, You know, so you feel that exposure. Uh, Yeah, we're all a little exposed. It it seems doom and gloom, and there is some of that. Um, But Nick, and I kind of want you to, but I do want to make sure we talk about positive things and then every downturn or downside or storm has this opportunity to outmaneuver or innovate or think creatively about what are we going to do to survive so you can like put your head in the sand and just be like it's over everything sucks and it's gonna be a terrible year where you can think even harder about how are we actually going to get through this and are there any opportunities here that didn't exist some brands will probably find uh eyeballs, acceptance, uh, people will be willing to try new things because they can't get the thing that they were comfortable with. And I think all that's like really interesting, fascinating. If I could just stop for a week and think about that, I would be stoked. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. It, it, it's, um, exactly. We just said having, having eyes for, for other things. It's, uh, you know, one, one of the things that makes my shop unique is I, I have the time because of the size of my operation to be Digging around and looking for these weirdos making stuff in uh, in their basement or whatever, um, and yeah, you're, you're looking at a crank set from whatever company, uh, mainstream company, and you're looking at delivery time of four weeks, ten weeks, or a year, and all of a sudden your budget just grew a little bit, and there's this other guy in a ta- in Italy with a CNC machine and, and, a, and a lathe, making these really pretty uh, cranks that are you know maybe twice as expensive but twice as much fun and available tomorrow um that's kind of changing people's uh, um yeah just just what they're open for and uh, and changing the the bikes that are built in, entirely and yeah honestly that, that makes that oftentimes it just makes it more luxury build than not um but at the same time people are really starting to value and enjoy those people that are um yeah just making their own things um and the side benefit is in this time at least um that it's also a deliverable at a certain or deliverable on a reasonable timeline
1: yeah i think i think that is it's certainly a positive that it's you know opening up new doors and allowing other people into you know a market that might have been kind of closed out um but i also think one of the points you made too is interesting is just like of like if, if that entry level build is, is swooped up, you know, there's a higher price point. And then, you know, we, you've already, everyone are here has already kind of talked about like, Oh, like the rising cost of everything. And so like, do we have to think about accessibility of like a bike is expensive? Is it already getting even more expensive? Um, and, and how do you kind of make sure that, you know, it doesn't just kind of skyrocket and then all of a sudden no one's getting bikes.
2: Yeah. I mean, last year, was a big social justice year and many people were talking about the bike industry being inherently exclusive. Uh, and a lot of conversations were had about making it more inclusive and then to follow that year with a, you know, well, we just took the three thousand and our bikes aren't, are never going to be inexpensive. I just, I don't know how to do it. Like we can't, but like we had our $3,000 build and, and then our $3,500 build and our bikes go well over 10,000 sometimes. Um, but we, I was always like, I want to hold the line of having these builds out there so that people aren't pushed out if they can't, you know, play in the these big leagues. Like I don't even have really any desire to be this big league brand that only does these Gucci things. I want to have like the blue collar. Like this thing works just as well. It may weigh another pound or two, but this thing will put a smile on your face. I had to pull all those builds off our site last night. I killed all of the entry level builds because all of the intel that I have. I mean, we yesterday spent the entire day on the retail parts market looking for retail parts. So we usually buy it wholesale and we make some profit and then we sell it retail. We were looking at buying retail entry-level parts just to be able to build the retail bike or the entry-level bike, and they're not even there. It's just not there. You cannot get entry-level stuff. And it just made me sad, but I, t- I took it all off the site because of the inverses that I've got, you know, five out of 10 or seven out of 10 inquiries on bikes right now are people who are trying to get the entry level one and they expect because they see it on the website that we're going to ship it we can build it if they hand over their money and I need to start getting away from that message and saying I can't promise you I can build that bike I feel bad about it it's also not my fault and our brand might be temporarily too expensive for even more people than it previously was and that's not by design that's not because i want to only build exclusive bikes i and nothing would disgust me more than being like an ultra premium bike brand that would bum me out because i i mean i never grew up with money i'm not rich um so i see awesome bikes rolling out the door and they make me happy because they're amazing people who put us all to work that have really, really nice budgets and they build these dream bikes. So they're like amazing patrons, but you also want to be able to say this brand exists for everyone. And I think the bike industry, from my perspective, is less accessible now and will be less accessible this year. Um, but Adam, you, you, you're more connected to some bigger brands and they have bigger levers. You, they have purchasing people that have thought more ahead than we have and we're not buying for bikes tomorrow. And uh, like, is it still going to be of- there for and them
3: you could say thought more ahead or more leverage however you want to say okay that.
2: yeah they can throw their weight around
3: but um the lower end is still suffering like the 500 hundred dollar bike that is was the accessible bike for a lot of people has been the hardest to get going back to like what you said the positive side of things we've had a lot of people come in who want that 500 hundred dollar bike and we tell them it doesn't exist but being hopefully a good salesperson and a good person in general is educating someone on why the next level bike up might be good for them, not pushing it on them, but just giving it at least some option. I think the education part of this past year for the general consumer has been very good. And so you got your situation where maybe you're going from a three to a $5,000 bike, but if you maybe take it as like, Hey, this is an option for you. You don't have to take it, but here's why you might. You're seeing people be like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. And so not to say that everybody can just afford to step up because that doesn't work that way. However, at least giving someone an option to have that opportunity and maybe why has been a very positive light and seeing people be like, maybe not come back or buy it that day, but they're coming back more than I thought of buying, going from 500 to 1500, which is a threefold jump for what their original budget was. And then they're so excited. They love that bicycle and it's probably what maybe they needed in the beginning. But like, you don't want to dictate somebody's pocketbook. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been refreshing to see how many people have, are open to that. And maybe it was my own perception before that, that didn't think they were, but you know, I'm always the guy that says you don't need this, you know, and trying to tell people like, Oh, you don't need to spend that much. This is going to be just as good. Cause I feel like it's the right thing to do. But maybe sometimes like if you tell them like, Hey, if you get this, it's going to last longer, it's going to be in for service less, all those kind of things. And they come back more appreciative than I thought. And I thought originally that they were just going to come back being like, ah, oh, you're just upselling me. Oh, you're doing this. And it's like, no, that, this is great. I love it. Thank you. And, and that has happened way more than the other way around. Mm. That's, that's cool. So, that's good news. And I think it's really about looking at it that way, which especially at the shop all of the staff have to remind each other of, is spinning things in a, a nice manner. Cause sometimes positive isn't even an option, but nice. And at least giving people like, well, no, you can't get this $1,500 mountain bike for the foreseeable future, but here's some options if you would like them.
2: Yeah. And that's going over really well. I think I've been trying not to say no outright. Um, I've always been, you know, we can't build that one Here's, but I really care about your budget so here are some recommendations I have to get as close as possible. And I promise I will never sell you a bad bike that I don't believe in. I'm not going to give you some piece of junk. So if people trust us in that, then that's a really good, cool. It's yep. a good thing. Yep. and that's why they came to you in the first place. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: I know. I know uh, one of the one of the big uh, big five, so to speak. Uh, the of the the big big bicycle brands has actually stopped taking back orders for certain models because their, their back orders are so far out on those models and, and trim levels that, you know, they don't even know that the, the group set that comes on the bike now or, or 2022 will even still be around <laughs> when that bike is ready to be built.
3: Yep, yeah. I just did a pre-order yeah. for bikes for 2022 that did not have images, paint or spec Yep. <laughs> but I put an order in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How long do you have until you can cancel that order? Uh, yeah.
3: Thankfully, i uh, yeah. it's up until right before it ships. So okay. That yeah. com- that company is excellent to deal with. That's cool.
2: Yeah. And I was talking today with someone from one of the biggest component brands in the world. And he was like, hey, he saw the note that we posted. We put a note up yesterday and it just said, um, we just pulled a lot of builds off our site if you do want something get in touch and we'll coach you through what we do have but it's really bad out there and it's not just going to be us so we were kind of just warning everyone and some people might think we're just hyping everyone like bye 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 but we're really just saying if you want a bike this spring don't buy it this spring plan ahead um so this guy saw that and reached out and he was like hey so like you're planning for 2022 already right and i was like what are you talking about no like I used to plan for tomorrow and I said, How about you, supermassive bike company or a component manufacturer? Are you planning for the small builders out there that can't order a year ahead? Do you do you do you put aside a percentage of what you can produce so that the market has availability for small brands to exist? 'Cause if if you don't, you're gonna wipe them out. Um you're only gonna cater to the company that can buy two or three years ahead and the big will get bigger and the small will vanish. Um, and yeah, he, he was like, yeah, that could happen. Um, and he wasn't being a shark about it. He was in touch trying to give me advice. He was trying to be nice. Um, I immediately scheduled a meeting with said company on Monday at 2 PM, uh, to, to have this discussion. Um, but it was interesting. Like, wow, 2022, <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> is that year ever even going to arrive? Um, it's January. Yeah. I it's mean, January
3: we deal with one of the big three brands in the U S and they are pretty much sold out for 2020, 2021. Is it now? Yeah. That's what the year it is. Um, they're sold out for 2021 and I don't know, you know, now it's kind of the, did I order enough? I don't know. Maybe we'll take off in July and August and go ride bikes.
0: We had that thought. Yeah, oh, yeah. We've definitely have considered that, you know, a planning summer vacations at this point.
3: I like um, this idea. Maybe we should just have it <laughs> oh, like the it. cycling siesta.
2: Yeah. Well, early, early COVID, March, when I was like, the world has ended, we will sell nothing. And, and I was like, you know what? Rodeo started as like a, a true joke, six friends, no plans, just a jersey design and a logo and a WordPress template. And there was like no take, just no ambition there. And the whole reason that it, that it went anywhere was because we were having fun and we were talking about it, telling stories of every literally everything we did. It was just today we got out of bed, you know, and uh, that was what was kind of the secret sauce and kind of still is. So when all that COVID hit, I just said, we are not going to get depressing. We're not going to go dark. We're not going to be dour. We're going to just, we will go back and tell old stories of things that we did that we never had the time to tell. And we are going to stay positive and visible through the dead zone so that on the other side of it, if the world ever emerges, they'll remember we exist. And we were one of the people that was there through the bummer part of it. And yeah, so I don't know what will happen this year, but if we have to like stop selling bikes for a month or two, we will go riding and we will continue to just be us uh and tell everybody about what we're excited about why we love it and what we're up to and there will be an end to this you know all of this craziness yeah. so yeah. well it's kind of like when the shutdowns were happening there was a good part of
3: me that said Ooh, ooh! <laughs> you mean I don't have to come to the shop for like two, three weeks? Yeah. What should we do? <laughs> yeah, it was,
2: yeah, it was... Uh, it sounded appealing. Oh, I started going through photos. I wrote more on the website, uh, and I I truly like that more than I do doing workmen's compensation audits. Oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> so like being able to have a piece of that—it's a little—it's enjoyable. So I don't wish calamity on anyone like i hope we're all these tiny small brands or even middle brands are able to navigate all of this stuff but a fallback plan is go writing yeah yeah i think it should always be the fallback plan yeah
1: Yeah, i think it's apparent there's kind of like a there's a a blessing and curse to it all you know like the the big brands might squeeze out some of the smaller companies that are trying to purchase something just due to massive lead times in ordering. If you're already thinking about, you know, like fiscal year 23 and Hey, we're in 2021, like what's going on. But I think on the flip side, there's like the really interesting stories of, you know, maybe there is that handmade uh, Italian crank that in a way almost it, it probably, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the crank, but it could be a buy it for life scenario where it's like, let's change the consumer's perspective of like, you know, a disposable part and like this was crafted and, you know, someone was able to enter the market that wasn't able to enter the market before. And, um, they can put their own mark on, on a bike, you know, and, and that's, that's pretty iconic. And so I think it's interesting or, you know, even hearing Adam of like, well, the, the $500 bike isn't available, but, uh, the $1,500 bike is. And I think that really, it's a shift in the consumer mindset of like, you know, Amazon taught us well. I can get that tomorrow, and I can get it at a really cheap price. Like, what are you telling me? I can't get that five hundred dollar bike. But you're like, well, yeah, it's a, it's a threefold upsell, but you were going to have to service it less. And so, I think that's really interesting. And you know, maybe like moments like this will will teach the consumer of like, well, you know, you do, you do vote with your dollars, and and it can make a meaningful difference to the people that are receiving that, um, and you can lead to an innovation um, that wasn't there previously.
3: I think on that small brand front, this has been a year where that small brand did sell out of almost everything. And then they were like, oh, well, we also need to produce more or we need to get more in the consumer's eyes. So even in a small shop level, like we were talking about things that have taken us years to implement. And then in March, we were doing it in 24 hours Mm -hmm. because you had to update the website, all these things just to get with the constant change. And so you think about even that small crank brand doing something similar. Now it's going to elevate their status for not just this foreseeable blip, but hopefully for a long time to come because they've done a couple quick things that they probably wanted to implement, but didn't. And then now it became like, oh, it's in your face. You have to do this right now. But that is going to have a lasting effect for some things. And I think, well, maybe some of the big brands will have their ability to hold on to certain inventory, things like that that small brand has had an opportunity to capture a customer that will give them some longevity as well.
2: There's an opportunity to enter the market here. If you can make something right now, Mm -hmm. this is pretty ideal. It is. It is. (laughs) Pretty ideal.
3: But I think everybody has upped um, upped their game as far as whether it be their internet presence or just their customer service skills or things like that because you've had to. And so there's a lot of good that has come out of that yeah
0: i also feel like you guys have been doing a lot more custom stuff Mm -hmm. compared to you know some of those bigger brands and stuff um just talking to steve he said he's built more wheels you know this month than he's ever have is it are you seeing that just because part shortage you can't get stuff or or just people more stoked
3: it's a part shortage but it's it's whereas before we were like oh we're busy let's just get in this system wheel here you go you're happy Now that wheel's not available, but you don't want to say no to that customer. And I think anybody with a little bit of creativity can be like, oh, well, these hubs are available. We can get these spokes and then we can get these cool rims. And now you're going to have a really sweet wheel. What colors do you want? And that all of a sudden you see kind of the lights of their eyes like go up and they're like, oh, well, yeah, that sounds amazing. And so whereas before you were kind of doing this, maybe call it generic, whatever it is, um, you know, like, oh, you need a wheel set. Here's this system wheel. Now you've just added a custom touch to it and an emotion piece that has changed everything. And it's really just about knowing where the the opportunity is to provide what the customer wants. Okay. Now we can go to White Industries, really cool brand. We can order their hubs. They have them. What colors do you want? Do you want to match that? All these neat things that we've been doing. And, And it's really just, hey, where Where are the opportunities? Where can you fulfill that customer's needs? And in reality, like, I kind of wish we had been doing that all along.
2: It is a fun way to make a bike, and it's the reason that we uh, endure uh, the massive complexity of building every bike to order here. Like, we we should have converted at some point to warehousing pre-built bikes. I don't want to do it because... I really like talking to the guy or the girl about, hey, where are you gonna ride this? Um, and you know and you hear some of their story and why did you find us and you know and then there's this whole like human part of it mm-hmm. that I really like when I get up and think I'm gonna go to work and I'm not just shipping boxes out the door. I'm talking to people about like the thing that they're extremely passionate about. So like we're trafficking in passion. I was actually thinking about that on the way to work. It's like we, we don't just make a product we make a product that's a passionate, it's a passion back thing. Mm-hmm. So doing it personal, making it custom, uh, we can't, we can't move away from that as a brand. I don't want to do it. So we won't.
0: I uh, don't want to either. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love building custom bikes. It's so much fun. Yeah. That's
4: yeah. Right. That's, that's been one of the the saving graces of, of my, my business and what it is and what I do. And, um, yeah, when, even i've noticed recently just getting people that have kind of gone through the list of i want a bike i'm going to check there or they don't have anything and then they go go to the next their 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 second choice and third choice and and i'm number four or five or six and uh that's fine you know take what i can get but then they come into the shop and um it's, it's a super small shop uh, and it's just me and uh i get to kind of take them uh kind of lead them into this jungle and have that discussion with them of you know what what are we going to do where we're we going with this bike you know what do you expect from it and um it's it's this teaching moment of um showing someone that this this bike is still a tool but you can really shape and form that tool to your to your yeah craziest wishes um, and um because so much is custom, you know, you mentioned white industries, these, these small companies with their own production in house, you know, those guys are probably, well, it's afternoon for you guys, but they're probably working until late, late hours till, uh, like I'm, uh, right now, uh, you know, just trying to get their product out and make that next step and really kind of break into the market. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty beautiful moment, uh, actually of, you know, these people have looked at all those big those big bike brands. They've worked their way down the list. And, and they probably wouldn't have done that otherwise. And they probably also would have been just happy with the bike, the, the, you know, the first choice or second choice. Um, but then they've made it all the way down to their fifth or sixth choice. And that's some wild-haired custom guy uh, under the railroad. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's probably going to be their first choice the next time around, even if it's not me, some other guy. Um, they're getting another custom wheel build or another custom frame, um, because they've kind of made it over that, um, that relatively high barrier of entry.
3: I think when someone comes into a store like yours and they get the interaction that you provide versus somebody just kind of taking them down a row of bicycles and presenting options. Now you're, uh, you're kind of getting to the emotional side that they probably didn't even know was available. And I think you, you enlighten them to a whole nother version of what buying a bike can be.
4: For sure. It's it's something I've been talking about a lot recently. Um, And uh, I I guess not everyone would be equally happy about it. But when, when, when we're discussing options, say a steel gravel frame for around thousand euros and they say, yeah, is this one better than that one is better than that one. I often say, well, you know, they're, they're all, kind of in the same boat the 800 to say thousand euro uh steel gravel bike um and i've been presenting this idea of um you know look at the company as a whole um look at their marketing look who's running it how they're running it uh is it financially sound is it sort of uh you know right on the razor's edge that sort of stuff that previously that's been a very negative thing of you know, um, like in Dutch, we say you put a sauce over it, um, that you have a product, you have a company and you put this marketing sauce on, the, on top of it. And, and then that's all just kind of fake. Um, and obviously, you know, some maybe larger companies, also smaller companies can kind of fake that. But pretty often, like with Rodeo, that's, that's immediately apparent. You guys live and breathe the, the brand. The brand is, you know, I'm looking at it right now, you on two the, on, the, on my screen um, and that's not a negative thing. You know, you can come in and you can talk with a small builder like me and also bigger shops, um, and look at these brands that are all selling similar things. Um, you know, that one's a little bit different than that one. And that one's maybe a little bit better. Um, and look at the stories they're, they're telling, you know, we're building our bikes because we like to do this because that, and this, and we're here, which story do you mesh with? You know, that owner of that bike company, uh, likes to do this and you don't like that or he's not a nice guy. And the other one's, you know, pretty nice dude. That I, I really think that carries a lot of impact or it carries a lot of weight. And in these days of slim pickings is even more important. You know, you, you're making this investment and um, you're supporting this company and you're going out and riding it and their logos on your bike. And you know, we're not sponsored, but you can, uh, you can carry that logo with pride or you can, you know, choose for black paint and a black logo and kind of hide it and say whatever. You know, I, I think the latter is just, uh,
3: yeah, better, more pleasant, at least. Yeah, I would agree. I think that having just have that pride in what
2: you've purchased um, goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I'm always i can't believe anybody buys a bike from us in the sense that almost no one can pre-ride our bikes unless you happen to be in denver but even then we don't even have current model year demo bikes because we can't take any to make into a demo we sell them all Uh, so we have old demos that you can kind of get an idea what our bikes like at best but certainly not the new one and then they're very expensive you probably have to wait Uh, and like the, in there's, you can't really find a ready baked magazine review of our bike anywhere. There's just all these things, all these reasons to not trust the brand (laughs) and then not buy the bike. And then people do. And some of these bikes cost more than cars that I own for sure. Uh, and I'm like, I cannot believe how much you trust me. I mean, I can, I'm thankful for it, but at the same time, and I think, why did they choose us? And they are comfortable. They do trust they do like it in advance. They know what they're getting into. And I'm just super happy that those people exist out there, uh, cause they've made our entire company and lifestyle. And there's many people here that make their livelihood off of this. Like we get to do this for a living because people trust us and they choose us instead of, you know, the easy thing. Um, and that's, that's just cool. That's, that's, that level of support is pretty awesome.
3: It's a lot of fun. I mean, you and I went to Dirty Kansas, and you got me a frame one week before the race.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mind I think you. it was mine. Yeah. And, and I repainted it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I even said, go ahead with whatever paint job yeah. you want. Yeah. <laughs> I need a bike. I got an entry yesterday.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, do you have parts? Good luck.
2: But there are, there are basically a lot of people building great bikes. I mean, it, I joke with a number of people that it's hard to really build a bad bike anymore. I'm sure they're out there, but like a truly bad bike, most people are kind of going to be happy with what they're writing. So if you accept that as a baseline, then people could just buy the least expensive one and be done with it, but they're choosing to buy a, something that has value that's not associated exactly with the piece of you know, machinery. And that's kind of a magic of why we get to exist. Yeah, I agree.
4: Kind of playing a little bit further on what you just said, Stephen, um, about people that are buying bikes, uh, sight unseen, can't, can't test it, and have to wait a long time. Uh, I had to think uh, a long while ago, uh, I was buying a, a motorcycle, actually, and there was um, a friend of mine, we, he was kind of generalizing about groups of people, you know, buying a sport bike and, and buying a, um, yeah, an, an old BMW. And he explained to me, you know, when, when you buy certain things, you buy also a, um, a club a club membership. Yeah. so it's important to, to look at that club and say, you know, I want the thing, but is this club are those my people um, or, or are those people I want to be or are people that you know can be dynamic in my life to uh, help me, change me, whatever um, and And that's becoming more and more important, and especially when you have a month, two, three, four months to to sit there and think for, you know forcibly uh, think about your uh, your decision.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The club. Yeah. I'm going to be a good club.
1: I think it, I think it shows, I mean, all around, um, you know, that we started with how the industry is, has gotten really scrappy and no one can get parts. And yet here we are talking about how, regardless of that, you know, each and every one of you that, you know, in this, in this round table is, is doing it for the passion. And they're kind of doing it to be to their own, you know, drum of like, well, I'm doing it because it, it's meaningful, um, you know, part shortage, just be damned. Okay. Um,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to build something this year. <laughs> <laughs> Strider um, bikes. Yeah. yeah. I did want to, if we're there at that point in the conversation, I wanted to l- leave people with like, so what, um, like what should people do? And there's a couple of different angles. There's the you know, local bike shop. Like how should you, you know, if someone wants to buy a bike from you, Adam, and you, you're going to. and and us like what should their expectations be how should they strategize the year think about timing what should their attitude be things like that just do we have any advice for people who are like oh shoot i just listened to this i didn't realize what am i supposed to do um should we all just be you know bum bum rushing you know or you know what what would you say let's just say adam you go first someone who wants something right now or Uh, this year
3: yeah um you know kind of the same thought is you you hear all these things like oh bikes are in short supply you can't get a bike this year well that's not true like you can get a bike this year yeah and you know, it doesn't have to be exactly what you want but you can get a bike and we need to get that out of people's head yeah yeah but then also like if someone comes in you know ask questions of what's available you know come in with an open mind to what it is you really need and what is available and what time frame will that come in cuz there are so many bikes that are on the water right now in containers, as long as that ship doesn't sink, we will have lots and lots of bikes. Don't jinx it. I know, I know.
0: Um,
3: But there are bikes coming. It doesn't mean you're going to get it today. And if you're patient, you're going to get what you really want, not just what's on the floor, which is also a good thing. So it's more of a just have a little bit of patience, ask lots of questions of what's available. And a lot of times, like, if I don't have it, like at our shop, we'll tell people here. Here's some good examples of where you could go that you can get that in a reasonable time frame, and reasonable is not what it was last year or the year before. But you know, you will get a bike, and it's just changing expectations.
2: Yeah, Jorgen.
4: Uh, yeah, I think I think I can reflect a lot of what what Adam said. Um, I'd say that one of the biggest things is just adjust your your expectations. And adjust your expectations positively and negatively. Um, uh, yeah, negatively. I don't know. Um, obviously, adjust your expectations of when when you're going to get what you want. Adjust expectations of of um, honestly the price. You know, if if um, it's kind of like the the choose two things: cheap, strong. Uh, I can't remember cheap, strong, light. so it's it's middle of the night. come me some slack uh, you know, um, if, if you want it quick, you're going to have to kind of get creative with the parts. Some of those parts will probably have to be higher end because some of the higher end parts are are available. Um, you know, if, if, if that's just not in your budget or you don't want that or, or, um, yeah, then, then, uh, be prepared to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, ask lots of questions, um, but then also realize that um, some of the questions you're going to ask won't have answers yet. Um, obviously, the first question anyone asks is how long is it going to take? You know, do you have any sort of delivery, etc. Um, I can't answer that all the time these days, um, or I don't want to answer that all the time, and, and that's super frustrating. Because uh, then something's already ordered or the client wants that thing per se, um, but then I can't give them a real timeline. And at least for me, if I can't tell someone it's going to be on Wednesday, um, yeah, then I'm just going to wait until, you know, wait until I have a tracking number and it's in the air or on the ground. And uh, and then can give them more uh, realistic uh, delivery date. Um, so, yeah, patient, be patient uh, adjust your expectations and, um, you know, ask, ask how long it's going to take, but be prepared for either the, either an answer you weren't expecting or, you know, a very vague answer. And, and the bike shops, they're not, they're not trying to cheat you. I know that bike, bike shops or bike salesmen or whatever will often be thrown under the bus, but it's just, we're all the, the, the information dissemination these days is so poor. Um, you know, I, I gave delivery dates for a bunch of people for ten or eleven clients, um for bikes that should have been on the boat. Um, you know, uh, we're on the boat, we have the the boat being tracked, you know, it takes uh what is it, a month and a half to to get to the port. Uh the container never made it on the boat. Oh. Um and been there. yeah, I mean <laughs> And, and we, we, and we thought like, oh, yeah, we've got a tracking number. These things are on their way. We can start saying like, yeah, you know, uh, your bike's going to be here sometime between this and this uh, date. And then, you know, we got the call and, uh, yeah, yeah. And everything that, we, everything we had said and post and bragged about was, uh, incorrect.
3: I think, uh, one other thing too, is being patient with that staff person, um, You know, it's we're very fortunate that we've been very busy, but we've also been drinking from a fire hose for the past year. Also, with so many layers added to the onion, you know, cleaning, wearing masks, doing all these things like we're all getting in an hour before the shop, an hour later just to clean and do things on top of being busier than we've ever been, which we are very happy about. But also you know, we're a little on it a little frazzled. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, I hate when, especially myself when I come off as snippy and it really frustrates myself that I do it occasionally, but maybe just be patient that they're working around the clock. We barely are seeing our families and we're exhausted.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, temporarily the days of having an everything Shimano builder and everything SRAM build, is on hold. We're going to have to mix and match, you know, um, you know, different cassettes or different calipers or different levers. I mean, it's all going to work great and everything's going to work together and it's just not going to be all matchy. You know, I think that's something that people should be really prepared for as well. Cause I know everyone loves to have hundred percent matching cockpit, hundred percent matching components, but if you want that, you're going to be waiting a long Man, time. We
2: could have your entire bike here, Except for your stem or your crank. Exactly. And you can wait until July, or you could, you know, maybe have this other thing and ride your bike all year long. Yeah. Um, And you'll, you'll forget about your stem at some point, or you just sell it used and buy the one you want when it's available. I don't know, but like, yeah. Paint it. (laughs) How bullheaded (laughs) are you about every, all the logos being the same? Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my advice uh, would be um, like, yeah. Don't come in with an exact system bike in mind. Come come at us with a conversation, ready for a conversation, uh, and don't do not engage Rodeo Labs unless you trust us to be your advocate. Don't do not give me your money. Do not buy a bike from us. Do not send us an email um, if you don't trust that we're already on your side. And I just had an experience with a customer over the holidays where he bought a bike bought a frame pre order, so he knew. That this frame doesn't even exist until april and then while we were on holiday we had never heard of this guy i don't know where he came from while we were on holiday changed his mind for whatever reason which is totally valid and canceled his order um but we were not there we have a life we were at home with our families for the holidays so he cancels his order doesn't get a response right away puts a stop payment on it uh disputes it with the credit card company sends emails back and forth and then starts talking about lawyers. And I thought, Oh my God, like, why are we talking about lawyers? Like, do you, do you think I want your money if you don't want our bike? Like, I want to give you your money back as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, you've frozen those funds. Uh, and I can't even refund you now until the dispute is settled. Um, but, If you don't think that we're on your side and that we want to build you a bike, we want to be fair, we're going to treat you well, uh, we're going to be honest with the information we have, then just let's not start. Let's not date. Uh, There are other companies that are a little bit more transactional that you can probably just walk in, see if it's there and walk out. And that's cool. Like you just need to find the brand that you align with. But we want to find people who trust that we actually want to build them a good bike and that we're going to be good about it. We're going to take care of them. That's the kind of people whether we're going to need to work with this year for it to work um, and then you know just understand that we're gonna give you estimates based on what we're told like the frames on the boat because we were told it was on the boat and we got a tracking number but but if the containers not on the boat and that isn't yeah. our fault please forgive us and understand that we are not lying to you because we're just trying to get your money uh, we just don't have good information sometimes um, and we're a lot of times passing along the information that we get almost real time. Now, where's my bike? All right, let me look. Okay, here's what I know. Um, but many times by many suppliers, we're given a date and the date doesn't stick. And this is something that will happen this year. So if you're gonna get that, just please plan ahead as far as possible so that we have more time to get you what you want on time. Uh, and then um, just be, your posture should be, uh, especially if you're very particular that we could let you down, we will be sorry, we'll be communicative and we're going to do our best to dig out of it, but, but we're all on the same team. That's my biggest, like the thing that I want people to come into it with. We're all on the same team here. We want to make you a rad bike. So,
4: yeah, yeah. I, I think there are very few people in the industry these days that, uh, that oh, very few there enough, but I think so many people are, are setting out with the best intentions and you know just like your story with that client freezing the funds like I've, I've had a few come across my bow as well uh stories of people kind of getting a wild hair or something uh because of trust issues or something and and you know everyone's really doing their best and if uh if you call or email or whatever your 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 uh your bike shop or bike builder or whatever and they don't get back to you right away that's it's not a trust thing it's probably that they're swamped with the you know 20 of the same uh, same messages asking for updates and uh it's uh it's kind of the game right now it's time, just time uh, is a finite resource in and out
3: yes and if you buy your wife uh, or your significant other electric cargo bike right before christmas and uh, they don't want the bike that takes up the whole garage space well, you can return it <laughs> <laughs> there's someone else who does <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's
1: fair
2: cool yeah
1: i mean some of it is some of its coping strategies or uh some of it is just altering things for the better um and some things are forever changed but i think at the at the end of the day there's just a bunch of people hard working trying to get people on bikes and bikes are good
2: yeah everyone wants to help everyone actually really does want to help so we're always available to talk any of us um so um, just reach out we'll walk you through where we're at right now and we'll do our best to help yeah cool.
1: bikes well i think that's it i think that's a wrap i definitely appreciate everyone's time and yeah thanks for having us giving us a lowdown on what the heck's happening in the bike industry
2: thanks for the different angles and that it wasn't all gloom and doom it wasn't <laughs> just a big
3: ah!
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so thanks for staying up late uh <laughs> what time is it it's
4: uh half past 12 okay all right yeah man
2: well thank you uh I, it, it's good to just talk with someone very far away but living a similar similar thing um but with a different perspective so thanks for letting us yeah. hear, hear about that was right. cool
4: we're all in this together we just uh it's the same problems here
2: it's just we speak
4: kind of funny <laughs> cool
2: well I'm going to be in your inbox in, uh, right away asking about all the gray market parts you can get for me <laughs> I won't do that I won't all right cool all right thanks everyone that's a wrap yeah uh, we got we, gave, we got to give our shout uh, to Michael for for mixing these things down making them sound good and to Q for uh, always every time we play our theme song we smile and think of him <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. cool. thanks Michael thanks Q all right Have a good one.